0: That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part.
1: Welcome back to The Boundary Corner Podcast. It's been a while, guys. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler.
0: How are you doing, everybody?
1: Buddy, it's been a little over a month since we last talked. A lot's been going on in both our lives. But tonight, folks, we're bringing you a very special interview with Christina Garnett. Christina, welcome to The Boundary Corner Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: And we're very excited to have you. Um, for those on Hokie Twitter, if you don't already follow Christina, um, you need to go ahead. And as soon as you start listening to this episode, that Christina G. Follow on Twitter. A lot of marketing insights. A lot of good takes about Hokie's marketing. And that what we're going to talk about a lot here tonight. But before we get in deep to it, um, Christina, give us a little background about yourself, how you got into marketing, and then how you kind of became a Hokie fan.
2: Absolutely. So I was an English major in college, went to Davidson College in North Carolina, uh, was actually hired as a math teacher right out, taught math for five years. During that time period, I met my husband um, and he is responsible for me being a marketer and a Hokey fan. I have to give him all the credit. He's the he's the MVP. Uh, about two weeks into dating, he said that I should go into marketing because I would fix advertising advertisements and I would fix just literally anything I saw what the what the font choices should be coloring copy all of it I would just naturally fix it so um, moved to Virginia so that my in-laws would be able to be closer to their grandchildren and tried to figure out if I wanted to go back into teaching or if I wanted to do something else and was pulled um, into marketing found HubSpot Academy and started reading and taking every class, reading every blog, reading every book, everything I could get my hands on. And um, now I'm now I'm in marketing, digital marketing strategy, advocacy, community building um, now. So it all, it all I blame it all in the hubs.
1: That in the hubs. And so your, is your husband Virginia Tech alum or just a Virginia Tech fan like me and Brian?
2: Virginia Tech fan. Um, his brother went to Virginia Tech. His two closest friends went to Virginia Tech. His dad's been season ticket holders, I want to say 30 years. Ooh. Um it's he's pre Vic. Um they they tell us stories about I've I've heard a lot of really cool stories um from the past of Virginia Tech football. Um and but he went to he went to VCU, he went to um he went to art school at VCU and then went to Syracuse for his master's.
0: Very nice. Very, I actually work at VCU, so nice. I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking master classes and stuff right th- right now myself. So I kind of have a little little bit of a similar type journey trying to change uh, change streams a little past my college career. So th- that's really cool, though. I mean, like I said, me and Curtis kind of grew up uh, hokey fans as well from Pre-Vic. yeah pre vic mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, we we've definitely kind of been living it for a while now and. We started this podcast a little over a year ago and just love doing it. Love talking hockey sports. And it's, it's, it's what we love. So it's what we love. It's, you know, it's
1: something that we get to do kind of, you know, once or twice a week and, you know, it's a lot of fun to do. But Christina, while we brought you on here is, you know, a couple reasons. A, I can first remember you popping on my Twitter feed back in late summer, early fall last year, when you literally put a hand out and said, I would love to help Virginia Tech football with marketing. And you even put those very two special words people like to hear. Pro bono. Yeah. I am going to assume no one ever reached out to you. No. Um, that's sad, but that's <laughs> not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we saw you do that. And then your thread on December 15th, I mean... <laughs> You we I remember like Brian like said, he's like, Did you see Christina's thread? And I'm like, I'm going through and we're like, holy
0: moly, you dropped so many things that night with that tweet. Yeah, there, there were a lot of good threads on December 15th and good by I mean you know, <laughs> raking raking the program over the coals a little bit for for what was happening between some of the gaslighting from <laughs> from WIT and all of the other uh things that came after when we pretty much knew that we're probably getting a new coach and all of a sudden that wasn't happening. And I think the fan base that in a nutshell wouldn't have really pushed the fan base to where it was, but I think it was kind of like a culmination of a bunch of months put together of, of things that were a lot, a lot of people in the fan base just said, this doesn't quite, seem to be going the way we think it should. And that was just kind of the uh, the icing on the cake there. And it really kind of put a lot of folks in a, in a place where they were looking for answers. And I thought you had a really good uh, thread that kind of broke down to the nuts and bolts of what some of the problems are, at least on the the fan facing and the recruiting facing aspects of the program.
2: No, I hope so. I, I I don't want it to come from a place of... Like I don't I don't want anybody to lose their job. I do want things to be better. And I mm-hmm. think there's room for improvement. And so um, for me, it all comes down to I I work in community every day. I work in advocacy. I work in being a fan of the fans. That's that's some of the work that I enjoy the most. And so I know the pitfalls of, of not being able to make everybody happy. That's mm-hmm. just facts. Yep. I understand that you have a deeply rooted, passionate community. And with that, you get good and bad. Um, you're going to get, you're going to get people who shake their fists. You're going to get people who, who love you no matter what you're going to see the gamut and that's fine. But I think that win or lose, there are patterns That need to be addressed and and from my perspective everything that i'm seeing can be fixed every single thing can be fixed but like most things you have to acknowledge that there's a problem so for me it really came down to if we're gonna if we're gonna have this conversation i am a firm believer in giving prescriptive complaints if we're gonna talk about something being bad or hating something It isn't doing any good to just shake your fist, Mm -hmm. but if you can shake your fist and explain what's wrong. Then you can start taking those positive steps forward and and really kind of focusing your energy on what do we need to do to make this better? So I, I do want to say that. And then I do want to give them a positive, what they're doing with Dwight and bringing Dwight Vick on is such a positive first step it's a major first step for me i want to give them kudos for that i think that it's going to reverberate through the program i think it's only going to create good things i think he was the perfect choice to do it i i just want to i i know that there's going to be a lot of negativity in this but i i want to i want to highlight that them having dwight take on that role and really be a conduit and a bridge between current Hokie nation and its celebrated past is much needed and will bleed into other efforts in a very positive way. So I, I definitely want to highlight that and say that I'm so, so glad that they're doing that. I think that that's going to pay dividends. We,
1: we agree with you hundred percent on that. We, we had the pleasure back in February, we interviewed the white that episode was two hours. It could have been six. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the past, the present, his thoughts on the current status of the program. And he sort of kind of gave a little insight that night that some things were coming down and with him doing what he's doing, his personality. And if you've ever met him, Christina, and you may have, it's infectious. He's just a person. He literally, Brian, if you remember that night, it felt like somebody that we like literally grew up with talking over Skype. Yeah. and, and, and you talk about them bringing him in. Absolutely. I, I think they 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 it is a huge, not just a layup, it's a mm-hmm. slam dunk. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it looked like what they were doing with uh with Daryl before he he took the job with the 49ers. They mm-hmm. just said, Hey, Dwight, pick up what Daryl's already started here and run with it. You are the perfect yeah. voice for this type of movement that needs to come back to virginia tech being having ties to you know what built the program to begin with and yeah. understanding the state and understanding the school and and just everything top to bottom he kind of fits that mold so we wanted to start the uh the conversation tonight in terms of kind of what what virginia tech is maybe lacking in terms of marketing and public relations and things of that nature and kind of break that down and then see what that prescription would be as you kind of uh, talked about earlier, Christina. So yep. let's start with branding. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a big thing for us because I feel like Virginia Tech has always had kind of a standout brand mm-hmm. and I feel like we've lost that a little bit. So we've got buzzwords right now that we use in the program like hard, smart, tough and hard hat mentality and grit. And me and Curtis have talked a little bit in the past, just a lot of the criticism that we have and that we've seen in general is that these are kind of just words or something that they kind of put there to be a stand in for things that we used in the past. Um, but they really are more like internal slogans that we we think fit more like meetings and practices and workouts and not necessarily something that you would use as terms in terms of external branding. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really offer the broad appeal like lunch pail or Beamer ball and you know, terror dome and everything from the Beamer and foster era. So what are some of the shortcomings you see from the football team in terms of their branding?
2: Absolutely. It's a really great point. So Probably the best way to describe it is that and a lot of the issues stem from stuff that it it just circumstances. So basically what you have is you have the legacy of Virginia Tech football. You have its storied history. You have its longevity. You have Beamer being such a central and foster being such core pillars of what football is at Virginia Tech. And that's amazing, but it also is hurtful when you're having to transition into something new because you have this disconnect. You need to celebrate and appreciate and continue to monetize the legacy and the cloud of Virginia Tech football, but then you're also trying to make it into something that's for this new new part. So what you're having is you're having this fight between the old and the new and the fact is is that they want the new regime wants they they want to put their footprint on it and i'm not saying that's bad that's that's natural inclination it's it's your job it's your team it's your it's your house now but it's directly opposed to the old rituals the old chants the old vernacular And so what they've done is they're they are trying to replace something that took decades to build in a couple seasons with words. And that doesn't work. And it's not just a Virginia Tech thing. It wouldn't work anywhere. Because you are you're you're trying to take something new and fresh and and hoping that it carries the weight of decades. And it just can't. It just really can't. I do want to say, though, that the graphic designs that are coming out are gorgeous. There's definitely been years where I've been like, I don't know what that was. I mean, what is this? So I want to give love. I want to give love where it's deserved. The graphic design is amazing, but that's also a problem. So what's beautiful, what's really cool about the design is is not just the layers that they have but there's this texture so many virginia tech football fans have saved tickets they've saved like all of the things and so if you look at some of the graphics there's like those layered wrinkles so it looks it looks like a keepsake it looks like something that's on your board that if you have a table that's like decoupaged with like tickets that it looks like something that could fit in there. Yep. It has this like storied, like it's fresh, but feels storied. And so I feel like graphically they found the mix, but copy wise, they have not. Does that make sense? It does. It feels, it feels modern, but the layers that they've created in their, in their visual aesthetic creates this, this, it's modern, but it has this touch of the past. It it already feels like a keepsake. So graphically, I feel like they've got the branding quite well. The other thing is that I find that if you look on social and you look at the hashtags and where the hashtags are being used, the hashtags actually have the best response when it's done by the recruits and then when it's done by the commitments. So when they're announcing and they're aligning themselves with this. So it, it becomes a part of the recruitment story, less so than like the current story of the team. If you look at them like, like for engagement wise, it, it makes more sense because that's how the recruits are identifying themselves. Yeah. And there's so many questions like, oh, you're committing to Virginia Tech. Cool. But what's a hokey? Being able to have a rally cry, a hashtag that associates with this is kind of who I am. And the hard hat mentality feels very much in line of what would be our version of lunch pail? What would be this version? And so I understand where that comes from. The hard, smart, tough, I don't like just because. UVA did the same thing if like the next season and we made fun of it and it was, it was three words. And I was like, how are (laughs) those three words that are worse than our three words? Like it's still a, it's still, it's still a Hallmark football card. Like it doesn't. And so I think the reason why the lunch pail and Beamer ball and terror dome matter is that there are actions that back up those words. There are receipts. Yeah. So using hashtags for hard hat, like hard hat mentality and grit and hard smart tough, that doesn't really carry anything until there's something that accompanies it. Like if you say TeraDome, you don't hear TeraDome, you actually feel <laughs> like what that's like. It's in your mind. Like it comes with weight. Like it carries stuff with it, and that's the point of branding. If the, some of the best brands, it's not the word. It's what the what comes with the word. It's what weight carries that. Think about think about movies or your favorite song or your favorite concert or your favorite. Like if you go to if I say McDonald's right now. You're probably going to think about what you're going to order. What's your go to order or you might smell the fries, but you have something that comes along with the word. It might even just be the jingle. But the word on its own doesn't like it doesn't exist by itself, it carries weight with it. So the thing is is that for branding, they need to continue these until they are able to create weight with it, or they need to (laughs) embrace what they what they let go, which was like when you think of the lunch pail. I think of all the times they carried it. I think of watching them putting like the grass. And yep. the soil. Like it's not just lunch pail to me. It's like, I think a Beamer ball, there are specific plays yep. that come into your head. It's not the word. Like that's the thing about branding is people want to put like a word and be like, this sounds fancy. Like that, that's not the point. It yeah. needs to evoke an emotional response because yeah. that's what carries. That's what creates connection.
1: Christina, just a few minutes ago, you said "Teradome." My first thought was Clemson, 1999, Corey Moore sitting on that bench saying those words, and I got chills to run up my arm. Yep. Because it's associated with something.
2: Yeah. And it's it's a personal connection. You
1: can't. Do you think them trying to brand it this way so quickly was a mistake? Like, should they have just said, "Hey, stick with what we've got," and then let something? naturally happen and that's what our brand is
2: i think that they really should have focused on carrying because that for the for the first few years that was that transition you have the 25 you have
1: mm-hmm. you
2: have these things where they were trying to they were very clearly especially fuente's first year they were very clearly trying to create a smooth transition and i feel like they did a good job of that mm-hmm. and then it was planting the seeds for this new regime and what that looks like What I think that they really what I think would have been awesome was the thing is, is that we are all building like no matter who you are and what you're doing, you're building off of someone else's work. And it doesn't make you lesser. Like Fuente is building off of Beamer's work, and that's not a bad thing. That's that's he's next. Like that's that's not bad just like every marketer is doing is standing on the shoulders of ogilvy like it's just he's the og and we acknowledge and we worship him for it and then we but we know that that will carry us through so i feel like especially because fuente was supposed to be or is is supposed to be like this offensive have this offensive mindset what would be the offensive Version of lunch pail, Beamer ball, teardown What does that look like? And so thinking about what people call, like, I just, I think of like feed forward, and I think of like, yeah, like, yeah. I think of the things. I think of the things that the fans do by themselves. I'm a big football club fan. Like, I love Liverpool. So I, I. I see teams outside of American football, they have these rituals and so much about community building is based off of rituals. And so it creates that emotional connection. It's, it's why you shake your keys. It's why you move your arms to block a kick. Like you can't remove beamer ball and then expect people to still do that motion in the stand, you know, like one creates a need for the other. And the rituals also create an opportunity for the fans to participate. And that's where I feel like such a disconnect has happened. I feel like there's been moments of opportunity where, like, for example, the Barstool Big Cat game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a perfect moment. Where, like, the things that I love, and and I know that I know that in their notes we're gonna talk about social, and that's obviously like, like <laughs> I live and breathe social. I want them to have fun. Like, I don't want yeah. it to look perfectly curated, and I don't want like perfect spaces between emojis. I want you. I want it to be obvious that you almost cussed because you were so hyped, but Damn. you like stopped yourself <laughs> at the very last second. Like. I like so one of the best accounts I had a friend who used to do the social for um, for the Tampa Bay Rays. And if you look back, especially like during like when they were when they were playing in the series and, and when they were doing all this, you'll see like they have videos and the clips and the graphics like everybody else. But when you look at the copy, it looks like it was written by a fan. Like there's a shrug and there's a, like, did you see that? Like it. It needs to feel the the beauty of football, especially in the ACC is that it is unpredictable and that it is messy and that it is beautiful. And so I don't want this perfectly curated copy. I want it to feel frantic and alive. Like I want it to feel like some, like the person who's pressing the keys is having typos because they're so excited. That's what I want to see instead of this just like perfect line breaks. Like they're about to send me a LinkedIn request. I
1: love that. (laughs) Well, let's jump to this, Christina. We'll get to the social media because I feel like we could could start talking with that and going forever. The videos that they've been putting out of the practices and then the interviews. But more importantly, you want to talk about the messy Let's mm-hmm. talk about that Vance Vice video with Letica Smith and Brock. That was messy. That mm-hmm. was beeping. That was a lot of beeping. That yeah. was, you felt like if the, if the doors were closed, that would still be happening. How do you feel like the video presentations have been going in all those aspects?
2: They, okay. It still presents the same problem. Okay. It's creating behind the scenes access, which is awesome. And we want access. The problem is is that it's still coming from a publishing perspective and not a conversational Mm -hmm. perspective. Okay. The problem with the videos and the problem, like I'm glad that they're I'm glad that they're showcasing personality. I'm glad that they're doing all those things. My problem is is that it's still one directional.
0: Mm -hmm. And I I would say
2: this. I would say this for Virginia Tech. I would say this for any brand, honestly. And I've I've made this complaint online in relationship to other to other brands, is that there's a lot of brands will be like, why are, Why do a lot of people not like our content? Why is it not a lot of people um, engaging and and retweeting and sharing and stuff? And it's because you're talking at them. You're not talking with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so there's an opportunity. To connect like, you know what I would love, like what I would I like those those videos have their place and I don't think they should stop doing them. But what I would love is that fan interaction like. It's it's not enough, it's not enough, so let me give you an example. You have a child, you're going to take them to go see a Marvel movie. What is your kid going to want to wear?
1: Potentially the, either the costume or a Marvel shirt. Why? Cuz they're associating with it. They want to feel like they're one with the movie.
2: Exactly. When you go to a tech game, what do you want to wear?
0: <laughs> as much maroon as possible.
2: But My- why but why would you buy a jersey? You're not going on the field. Why would you why, why would you buy a jersey?
0: to feel a part of the team.
2: Exactly. How do you feel a part of the team when all of the focus is on content going out and it not going back and forth? Mm-hmm. There's so many. And, and the thing too, that was like all the hashtags and everything else, like for an algorithm perspective that also doesn't perform well, everything that's going to make you click out of the experience is going to have less views. I mean, that's for any platform. They mm-hmm. want you to stay. Why don't you have a conversation where it's just talking about like, you know what I would love? Do a post and it says, make a hokey fan have like show that gif of Peter Parker when his hair goes up, when he has the spider sense tingling. And it's and we've seen a couple of these, like make a hokey fan have this in five seconds, or imagine if someone asked you about your favorite game, your favorite play. <laughs> immediately have emotion and so there's problems like I have I have problems with like calling for nostalgia but not doing it for that purpose so like for example when the first um, the first emails came out for donations after it was pretty clear there wasn't going to be a season or or people weren't going to be able to attend I almost rewrote that email like three or four times. Like I paced angrily, like my husband came out to
1: me Like,
2: "Cena, you have work. Like don't do this. I almost wrote it because it felt it felt very much like remember standing in lane, remember jumping up to enter sandman. And I was just like, all right, this is not working. I should cry because I can't be in lane. So if you can't make me sad, then you're not going to get money out of me. If you can't evoke emotion. I mean, and that's honestly like if anyone takes like, if anyone takes anything out of this is that the beauty of Virginia tech, the beauty of any brand that does well, the beauty of any community, it's laced and interwoven in emotion. It is the most important lever you have. And, You have a fan base that's angry at you and it's they they're angry because they love it so much. Mm -hmm. Or they cheer you because they love you so much. The problem, the problem is not hateful fans. The problem is apathetic fans. Bingo. That's the problem. That's the that's the thing that you should be afraid of. Is when the fans stop caring. Them yelling at you all day long. They wouldn't be so loud if they were, if they didn't love you so much. If it wasn't important to them, like there's a reason why if a hokey baby is born, it will have at least one hokey onesie. It will be christened into the church of Hokie Nation before it turns born. It just will. Why would you, if you could yell at that team all day long, but you still want your child to be a part of that fanhood upon birth? That comes from love that comes from you having that become such a core part of you. And so I've written a lot about this with community building. And I talk about how you enter a community, but the community has to enter you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It has to. Otherwise, you can leave easily. There's so many people who could have left after last year, but and, and there's so many angry fans who who, who could leave but they'd rather talk and try to figure out what's wrong. They'd rather shake their fist at Wit and just be like, dude, just fix it. Like, I love you. Fix it. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the, that's so
0: the thing. <laughs> And And the, like the problem I had with, with the Wit press conference after all that went down was that, you know, the, the, the quote unquote Twitter mob comment that that really kind of, it, it, it took, it took, it ticked me off a little bit just because I was like, well, I don't always agree with the people that fly off and want to fire the coach every every time something goes south, but at the same time, I'd rather have that than, as you said, a fan that's like, I don't care. I, I, I'll, you know, I like the tailgating. I'll, I'll occasionally go to a game, but I don't really care whether it's a win or a loss or any of that stuff. Because once you start getting the apathy, that's when you have a lot of the other problems that we're already experiencing and those are going to get exacerbated when it comes to donations and people showing up for games.
2: Well, my, my thing is that the Twitter mob is real. It just is. I, but I could say that for every single, I could sing, say that for every single fandom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a star Wars fan and a Marvel fan. So trust me, I've seen darker sides than, than <laughs> I got you. Like I've seen it. The thing is, is that, those those mobs occur. like think about what a mob is. in like the classic monster movie set, they have their fire, they have their pitchforks, and they are knocking and banging on a door of the castle to get to the monster. They are ostracized from the thing that they are trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And that is what the Twitter mob is. there There is a information vacuum. They feel like they can't be heard. they can't be seen. They feel like they're locked out. They don't have all the information. And so they're only resorts. I mean, that's that's human nature. Oh, you can't hear me, I'll get louder. Like it's it's that mentality. We're mm-hmm. to the point where you ask for change, you want things to be different, and then if it doesn't happen, then you get louder hoping, hoping now they'll hear me. But I feel like PR is at the heart of everything. I feel like it's at the heart of everything that's made it worse. So like, if we're going to talk about that press conference, I saw the, I saw the posts from the press before I watched the thing. So I had my own little moment and then I watched it. And it still didn't get any better. I I immediately I immediately treat situations and brand the way I I immediately treat them the way I would if they were a client. Okay. I immediately perceive, okay this has happened. How would I fix this and how can we move forward?
0: There
1: was no fixing. That was my press conference. There was no fixing. You had we had we had come off the three worst seasons in the last 27 years. Mm hmm. We were a 500 program. Mm -hmm. The writing was on the wall, behind paywalls, behind rumors. He's Mm -hmm. fired. He's been told he's fired. And then the walkout and the way Whit presented that day, the way his face looked, Mm -hmm. he knew he wanted to fire him. Mm -hmm. And then for us as fans, it was this punch no, he's coming back. This is like his first year. And you're like, his pardon my French, Christina. His first fucking year? Are you kidding me? He's been here for five years.
2: Yeah. Sorry. No, don't apologize. You're good. Um, (laughs) When it comes, well, here's the thing for me. There needs to be, anytime there's going to be that much emotion and anything is going to have that much on the line, there needs to be significant training, PR training for anyone who's gonna be speaking in front of the press. And that goes that goes for Witt, that goes for Fuente, that goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. Because we've already seen what happens when things don't go their way. When you're telling, when you're telling press the press that like that's a ridiculous question. Like we've already seen what happens when you get angry. So my first thing would be. Prior to any press conference, we're going to go through the talking points. I'm going to sit at the back of the room and I'm going to say the most hateful, hot button questions you could ever possibly get because you need to be prepared for the worst. You need to be prepared for the absolute worst question. You need to know what that answer is going to look like. And you also need to not have heard that question for the first time Mm -hmm. because seen as raw emotion you see raw anger frustration and like the like the snide comment about the they don't they don't really provide that much with the with the smirk that was frustration from wit in my opinion that was him trying to find a lap like find to find levity in something that he finds frustrating and it didn't land well because it shouldn't have happened Mhm.
1: yeah no.
2: And that comes down to, like I said, that comes down to PR training that comes. To, and I would recommend that for any power five school, any power five school, because you have scrutiny. Like look at Alabama. They could, they could lose one game and there's going to be fans climbing the walls.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If you were in a, if you were at a power five school, You are constantly, constantly under a microscope. The power of your school is dictated by how many wins you have, what recruits you can get, how many awards your coach can get, how many positive press mentions your coach and team can get. It's all contingent upon creating this ecosystem of success. And so when you don't have that, you're going to get questions. You're going to get you're going to get people asking really mean, hateful things that bother you. I mean, the best example of it is imagine how many people were frustrated with the team, didn't feel like they were being heard, nothing was changing. And then Herb Street has a really clear moment on a plane and talks directly into the camera about what is happening at Virginia Tech. Yep. And there was immediate change. And we had some new people come in and we had some thought process on how are we going to write this ship? And so from that moment, there are people in the fan base that realize, okay, It just has to be the right voice to complain. It just has to be the right voice to ask questions. And so that creates a moment where you wonder the information vacuum again. Same thing about when um, he was being interviewed at Baylor. And we didn't find out until after that was a no. And then Wit told us he's a trustworthy guy. Yeah. So we don't know him like you do, Wit. You're expecting us to, you, you can't vouch for him when we didn't know. And yeah. all we have is conjecture and all we have are rumors. Then what is, what is anyone going to do when they don't have anybody? I mean, literally all of 2020 was about conspiracy theories And what is fake news? You know what I'm saying? And so why why would a football fan base be any different?
0: In absence of the information, we fill in our own blanks. And given some of the product we've received lately, those are tending towards not giving the program the benefit of the doubt.
2: (laughs) Exactly. If you don't have the truth, then you make up your own.
0: And
1: that's what we've had to do a ton over these last few years because we really don't know the head coach. There are stories that, you know, we see him and we see him as, you know, probably a good football coach, probably a good family man. And then you hear stories from people that have interviewed him in behind closed doors. It's like, Oh, he's such a different person. Why isn't that different person coming into the press conference, coming into the interview? I mean, Christina, how would you coach when you hear, I've heard David Teal, Wes McElroy, John Laser, people associated either writing about the program or part of the program saying, oh, he's so different behind closed doors. You'd love him. How do you tell that coach that needs to be you when you get in front of that press conference, when you get in front of a video screen?
2: You need to figure out what are his triggers to why he can be comfortable in one setting and not the other. Okay. What is it about? What is it about behind closed doors that he can open up? Because I I get it. I I get it. I get people being introverted. I get people being closed off. I get people being protective. I completely respect that. I I totally get it. The problem is, once again, it's a power five program (laughs) and it is a but it's 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 a cult of personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, if think about it this way. If Harbaugh didn't have a personal brand, how on earth would he still, like, I'm still shocked, but how would he be a
0: <laughs> Curtis but is a 49ers fan, so he's got another side of that relationship that he can talk about. So Harbaugh cult, was a good pull there.
2: But it's cult of personality. Yep. And so when you think about it, and, and that's the thing, too, is Beamer was at an advantage because he it made sense why he didn't have a social media presence. Yeah. it it made sense. And so there was there was no like like the entire fan base isn't going to clamor for him and be like dude, you need to be on Twitter. Like that's that's not going to happen. And it and it didn't happen. Um but if Fuentes is going to be on Twitter and he's going to respond and he's and you're going to have these moments, then we need to determine what does it look like for him to feel comfortable like that and doesn't mean that he needs to have like calls in his office or calls in on his back porch or like what is it going to take for him to feel more comfortable and then how can we make that come forward um I, I'll come I, I don't want to compare but I feel like I need to compare it to Mike Young oh I'm
0: okay. good with that <laughs>
2: he's He's so affable and so just comfortable that when he speaks like i just I love the picture of him sitting watch like eating popcorn. It's like one of my favorite things. It gives me such beamer energy,
0: yep because yeah. it's just relaxed but cool
2: well i I also feel like because Mike Young it was always his dream to be here yeah. that now that he's here. It's like when you know you're at the right place at the right time, you know where you're supposed to be. It's like that man is sitting in his life. Yep. Like yep. knowing I'm supposed to be here. And I feel like maybe because Fuente's still trying to like shake off the beamerness and and make things his own. And he's not hitting the strides that I think he would have he would have wanted for himself. Maybe that's why. But I think he needs to figure out. Whoever's working, whoever's gonna be like managing the PR and who's gonna be working with them, they need to do a lot of work in the room where he's he's able to show himself because and I'm guilty of this. I just remember all the times he would get mad during a football game and it was just like the oh, it's my favorite part of the game. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was just
2: like, I don't care if you're angry, but show me something like Show me that you're in there. And so, like, he's yelling. And I was like, yes, Fuente, yes. Like, the game a few years back were, like, full Narduzzi meltdown. And um, when he was saying that, like, Tech was touching off, but, like, they were just manhandling Tech the whole game.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and Fuente, <laughs> I think Fuente, like, I think the ref had to, like, tell Fuente to calm down. Like, I got, I stood up and clapped. I was so, I was so hyped. And then like when he, when he tackled Foster, yeah, I, I just. I, I, think, I think fans was,
0: want to see know, him yeah. excited about being a part of this program. I think, I think that if, if I can put just a point on it, I feel like sometimes it feels like when the press conferences, it's very much I'm here because I have to be, I'm going yes. through the motions. But when you see him on the sideline in those moments against yes. Pitt or those moments with Bud Foster, You see that he cares about what he's doing and that's infectious, but he doesn't bring that to the other avenues of the, of the coaching responsibility. And as you said, being a power five coach is like being a CEO. You can't hide your CEO uh, in, in these key moments, like when they interview for another job and then you have this other guy come up and explain about it. Like, no, you're the football coach that just did this. you talk about it. You explain why you're coming back to Virginia Tech.
2: And I also, think well I think a lot of it also comes to risk aversion and I can and that's why the PR is so reactive instead of proactive is it it almost waits for it to bubble up before it says anything, assuming hopefully that it will blow over. Best example of this is the Sports Illustrated article. How oh. does, how does Sports Illustrated have more knowledge about our team than like boosters?
0: Yeah. Mm. Like,
2: I don't even understand. And the thing is, is, that you, you need the press on your side. You, you need them to, you need them to like the program and want you to be successful. And you, you want, that needs to be a very, that's a very symbiotic relationship, but I still feel like we'll never understand what happened with all those players.
0: And then so many of them transferred out of the program. So you don't really even have access. You've got a couple that had some rounds on Twitter and now the fan base, based on that information and based on nothing coming out more or less from the program directly, it's like, okay, well, we've got these accounts and we got the SI stuff, but we really have nothing official coming from the football program directly. We're we're over here making our own narrative again, and they're just playing damage control after the fact and trying to clean up that mess. And it's not just affecting fans' perceptions of the program, but it's refe- you know affecting how recruits look at the program mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Can I
1: ask, ask you this, Christina? This is this is Brian's bugaboo, and he hasn't said it yet, but he hates that we cannot get in front of anything. The the spring game being canceled, literally. An hour and eight minutes before Ralph Northam, which we knew was going to be announced, oh, we're going 30% capacity. Yeah. Um, there's been other times, too, where Brian's been like, get out in front of these easy things where you don't, as Brian just said, play damage control. So when you see this happen, I want you to think about my partner here's face and how <laughs> he gets angry. And I'm usually the one either getting the Skype
0: or the text messages like, get in front of this. This is your job. This is easy, It's the easy stuff that bothers me. Um, I'll go to the spring game. Whether I know people either want to have it or don't have it. That, that's beside the point. But to me, you made this announcement on your own time. No one told you you had to make this announcement at a given time. You choose, number one, before the Northam comments that day. Number two... You either didn't see Fallout coming from this or you saw it and decided we're going to announce this now, but announce our contingency for this an hour later or three hours later or the next day. I can't remember what it was, but include what your contingency is if you're not going to have the spring game in the announcement that you're not having the spring game. Agreed.
2: Well, I think I think for me, it it comes down to you need to be prepared for the worst in press conferences and any of this and no one could have seen no one could have seen this coming and we saw this i mean i i'd I'd like to think that the ncaa thought i was bullying them last year because they were useless but i don't know always (laughs) but there's supposed to be there needs to be someone and it's usually good if it's your pr person because they need to they need to be able to smell trouble before it hits but you need, for the Marvel fans, you need a Doctor Strange. <laughs> you need a Doctor Strange on your team. You need someone who's going to be able to see, like, full game theory. What are all the ways this could go? What is for, what are the possible things? What are the possible things that we could do? What does each variation look like? Assuming this is the next is the next thing, what happens? And then communicating it fully with whoever needs to know that. So that you have everything in place. So when you know that, all right, governor's gonna say this, cool. Well, this is this is the contingency plan that aligns with that directive. We can have a landing page made up, we can have it live quickly, we can have everything that we need, but it comes down to planning and being prepared for the worst. When you have a when you, okay, perfect example. How many years did they ask for donations after a football game loss? Every game. Isn't that something you could have paused or purposely sent the donation email before the game in mm-hmm. like a <laughs> hype kind of deal? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, it's the little marketing and PR moves that they stopped sending the emails asking for money after the, after the losses because everyone got really angry and loud about how that was a bad choice.
0: You just got but- blown out by a pit. How about donate okay. to the program
1: versus probably the most ideal time to send something like that, especially on a home game would be a mass blast. What 90 minutes before kickoff when everybody's in the parking lot with their iPhones and drinking beer and having a great time. Ooh, Huggy club wants to donate 20 bucks. Yeah, let's do it. Is that something you're talking about? Like the opportune times, like if you have mm-hmm. a win but again, if you have a loss, no, don't think about that. Mm-hmm. But, What's your contingency plan for next week? Mm -hmm. Personally, you're saying this, and I'm sitting here as a novice, Christina, saying, if you were to email me or send something on Twitter or anything like that a few hours before the game, whether I'm sitting here in my my, my man cave or I'm down at Tots in Blacksburg having a rail, you said that, I'm feeling good. Yeah. I've got a buzz about my body about the game that day where I just might say, screw it, send 10
2: bucks. Yep. It's, the thing is, though, is that, like, and this is going to sound really bad for any marketers, on the, but they'll agree with me. Get in the head of your customer and really think about the customer experience. Like, you don't need a marketing class. You need to be able to think like the person you want to target. Really swim in that. Like you said, where are you going to be the most hyped, the most pro Hokies, the most loose with your wallet?
0: Just before the start of a game. Just before the start of the game. I'm excited for the Even if I'm sitting at home, I'm excited for what I'm about to watch. I'm engaged with the program. Right. As optimistic as I'm going to be is bef- just before that kickoff. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, win or lose, the most optimistic I'm probably going to be about this game is just before kickoff.
2: Yep.
0: That's where I'm going to feel the best about the program.
2: What I would love to do is you could even do it as like, I know that nonprofits can do this. I don't know if they'd be able to do it, but having like a text campaign, like text hashtag Hokies to five, four, three, two, one. And you get 20, you send $25.
0: That easy. And I mean, as we're moving forward, this whole thing with donations, we're going to need, a lot more money coming in, especially relative to the, what people in the ACC are doing, because we're already falling behind on that front, especially on the individual donation side of things um, in terms of what we are putting funding wise into the program. We're about middle of the pack in terms of total money. And we're towards like the back third in terms of donations, we got to figure out something to get, get those in here. And it, and I know winning helps, but in lieu of that, we're going to need to figure out another way to get more folks engaged in the program, both with, um, you know, putting asses in seats at game, but also, you know, putting money into the, the into Hokey club.
2: Well, here's the thing. Hokey club. When you think about Hokey club, what do you, what is like your first thought?
0: Drive for 25.
2: But you know what it should feel like? The Hokie Club should be ran like an ambassador program, not like an entry level donation point. That's what that's what the Hokie Club is. It's it's here is your entry to becoming a donor to Virginia Tech football. And that's not what it should be. It should be an ambassador program. Where everyone that gets to be a part of that is given tools that they can share their fanhood. Here's the latest. Here's the latest graphic we're going to give you that you can share on social before anyone else. Here's a special banner that you can put for your Twitter and Facebook. Here's, here's a keepsake that you can have. Here's, here's, um, here's a free ticket to bring someone who's never been to a hokey game. Like, it just, it, it, sh- it shouldn't feel like now it feels like. It feels like Hokie Club is the token answer for, do I, Do you support Virginia Tech football with your money? And people say, yes, I'm a Hokie Club member. That's, okay. it, it shouldn't feel like it's tied to money. Hokie Club should never feel like it's tied to money. It should feel like that's your entry into becoming the person who gets to be on the field, the person who gets to help, the person who gets to weave themselves into the history of Virginia Tech. It should feel like that is how you enter the community. It should feel emotional. It shouldn't be tied to money. It should be tied to emotion. Like what I would love to see, honestly, as soon as things are open and as soon as it's safe for us all to congregate, I would love for there to be a field day at Lane. That would be,
0: awesome. be cool. Yep, yeah, that would yeah. be really cool.
2: Just be in that stadium again. You can have players. You can have past players, you can have the staff, but it literally is like the whole point. The whole point is you go and you get to stand on the field and you get to meet some of your favorite players and you get to hang out and hug your friends that you would normally you you haven't seen in months, but used to tailgate with all the time. Just do like a $50 a ticket field day and you get to go and you get to hang out. And you get to hug your hokey friends.
0: There you go. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I feel like in terms of the events that are engaging fans and getting fans access to the players and things like that. I know COVID has pretty much put the kibosh on that last year and into this year, but that was very lacking even before um, the, the things with COVID. Um, what, what are some other type of events or things that you, I know you just mentioned the, uh, the, the field day there. Are there any other types of events like that that you think would be good for the football team to engage in with the fans?
2: Yes, I am a massive fan of Peloton. I have my Peloton bike. Imagine if any of the players, there's got to be a Peloton in that barn. Like there just has to be. And if they don't get one. But imagine if you basically had like a joint ride. And you can ride with your favorite players or you can do like the tread. And like on because on Saturdays at um, at 10, I do a ride with my friends from marketing Twitter and we all get on and we ride. And it, it's like the leaderboards there. We high five each other. Imagine, imagine, because these players are working out all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you got to be on a ride with one of your favorite players.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool.
2: It'd be pretty cool. You get to be you get to be Peloton buddies with so and so. You get to see their name on the leaderboard, and it's gonna push you harder than you've ever been pushed, because you're gonna want to get as close to their to their personal best as as you can. But imagine how special that would be. And all you need is one Peloton bike and a tweet. Every week you could have a different player.
1: But would that tweet be timed at 9 a.m. on Tuesday? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No. You
0: can almost set your clock to the to the social media drops here. You can, and it's ridiculous. Although
1: I have noticed, actually, me and Brian when we were discussing yesterday all the things we wanted to talk about tonight, we kind of been going through it, and it has been more random Good. in about the last ten or twelve days. And when we say that, like they retweeted a Tyrod, one of his personal, not something they created and put out, David mm-hmm. Clowney and other guys, mm-hmm. but. Let me ask this about Twitter. Yeah. And 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 if you don't want to answer it, <laughs> you don't have to. Give me a number grade that you would give the Virginia Tech football Twitter account. Number grade. Not letter. Number. Number grade. One to a hundred.
2: It's an 80. It's an 80. They're doing okay. I'm glad that they're, um, it's, it's their Twitter wears a tie. <laughs> it's yeah. too. It's it's too curated. The copy's too clean. The scheduling's too like specific. Even if that? it's a brand, it needs well. It needs to feel like there's a fan at yeah. the thing. Like, okay, so I'll go back to McDonald's because I I know someone on their social media team, and I love what they're doing. Some of the best stuff that McDonald's has been doing is they're being incredibly vulnerable and real and talking about customer experience. Like one of the tweets that they did um, that they did that I absolutely loved was it's never, how are you doing social media manager? It's always, when is McRib coming back?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> or it's, are you feeling okay? You've barely touched the top of your cup because they were like, you poke the the top, like you poke the little bubbles. Okay. Another one was can I get a it feels so human and so you want you want it to feel human. It needs to feel like the person who's doing the copy and who is typing is seeing the same seeing the same game that you are and is frustrated when you're frustrated and happy when you're happy. And it's just it's a lot of hashtags. And it's a lot of emojis, and it just doesn't feel authentic. Okay. And so a- it needs authentic to authentic was like always
0: it. the word I was thinking of as well. It, it definitely it's like buttoned up as you said. Yeah, where's where's a tie? tie. Yeah. It's a job.
1: <laughs> That's what it feels like. It's it's a job. It's not like like you say it's a fan where every day us three as fans of Virginia Tech football we look at Virginia Tech football. Me and Brian, I mean, key play. We look at Tech Sideline. We look at your Twitter account when you're saying something about it. We look at former players. And that's what – you're right. And you just – that is just such a great analogy to what our Twitter is. And and I'm going to say what I said a couple seconds ago. This is a football Twitter. Football is not a nice, wear-your-tie, very cordial mm-hmm. sport. It's it's pop. Yeah. It's hitting each other. It's blood.
0: uh, blood. Let's also compare it to, I know we we had talked about Mike Young earlier, but let's compare Hokies football Twitter account with the Hokies men's basketball Twitter account Mm -hmm. and the type of engagement that they were getting this season and the type of tweets that they were sending out and how those were tracking with the fan base and it's night and day. Mm -hmm. And, I know who runs that account and I I they're younger and they are passionate about the team.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it reads it reads that way. I mean there's I, I also love the fact that I, I love that there doesn't always have to be there doesn't always have to be a graphic. Nope. okay. And you can be playful with emojis, you can be playful with gifts, and you can I I love that there is it just feels like I can tell a fan is running the basketball account it feels like they're watching the game with us
0: yep yep
2: and I I'm also a fan of if you can do short copy always do short it's so much easier like it's it's the shorter it is the more likely it is to come across as pithy and get to the point. The more copy there is, the more it feels didactic and serious. I'm like, I don't need it to be serious. Like hype me up. Like make it make it feel special. Let me, let me know what you're doing. Um and then I I like that they I like that both of them, that both accounts are starting to share like third party content. But I think there's opportunities to do something really cool. Like for example, I would love it if they brought back one of like find an old find an older um an older player alumni who are really good on twitter who get it have them do a takeover for the game
0: oh okay Have them
2: run the yeah. account for the day it'll give it'll give flavor it'll feel very different people who've never turned in before will turn in to say hi I think, I think there's just so many opportunities to be able to do that. The other thing that I think was a missed opportunity was there weren't a lot of players that were, there There were not a lot of people who were able to watch the game last year. And there were a couple people who were able to go and did like a few minute lives. But what I think would have been really, really, really cool is they, because they asked for money, like, can you, will we'll we'll take your money and you just like forgive your seat yeah yeah what if you did a private like what if you did a video you linked it and you have a camera from one specific seat it could be at the 50 yard line and you just have someone recording live and you get access to that to that feed so you get to watch the game from that seat for the whole game instead of watching it on tv you get to actually it's as close as you're going to get to feeling like you're in the stadium and you, you could pay extra for it, whatever you wanted to put for it. But you can call it like the 50 yard, the 50 yard seat. Yep. And someone will be there and they'll move the camera as the plays are happening. But you'll get to be as close as you can to being at Lane during all of that. I feel like that was a missed opportunity.
1: Yeah, that would have been awesome to do something like an auction. Mm-hmm. Oh online and to to, to bid for that because there would have been people probably well out of our price range that would have wanted to do that and you're raising money and maybe you don't even go with just one whole game maybe you do one special for the whole game and then what we are doing is five minutes yeah five minutes of the seat you get to tune in and see it and here's how much you pay i love that idea um you you've, you've mentioned a lot of things you would love to do. But as we move on the road forward, what are your top three? What are the three big things that for us as fans, Mm -hmm. what do you think we need to see changed? And what would you do? What would be your prescription to say, we are screwing up doing this. Here's how we fix it.
2: Number one needs to be PR hundred percent. We need to determine, they need to determine where the line is. And if they've already determined it, they need to move it back further than where they have it. They need to make it very clear what's accessible to the fans, what's not. What is the cutoff for Fuente? What is the cutoff for Wit? What is the cutoff with alumni, past players? What does that look like? They need to determine where that line is. Like, where is the wall? Because there's a wall. But where yeah. is it? Big wall. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be pushed back. Um, a, a, a long ways
1: back. To... A long ways back. Yes. Kids can't go to scrimmages. Us as fans can't go to scrimmages. I mean, it was a miracle when you saw Andy Bitter and the writer say, We got to go in for 15 periods of
0: practice. And it's just kind of like.
2: That so shouldn't it, be How
0: How is that at least not once a month, if not once a once week? week.
2: <laughs>
0: Number one, PR, pushing that wall. Yes.
1: Okay. What's your second? You can-
2: Second is you need to rebuild the relationship between the press and the the admin and the coaches. And that's going to come down to being prepared for interviews, being prepared for press conferences, being prepared for things that are completely uncomfortable. And so that's going to come down to practice. That's classic PR having like literally me me or someone in the back of the room shouting out the one question they hope no one asks because you'd rather me ask it or the PR person ask it than someone who works for the Roanoke Times or someone else and then you wind up yelling them out of the room because you need that person on your side you need that person to want you to be successful because they're going to be paid to cover you whether you win or lose the game yep you want them to hope you win
1: Kind of like when Mike Barber asked Fuente after the pit game, hey, have you 100%. thought about taking over play calling? And he answered, that's ludicrous crap. And every single one of us fans said, bullshit, it's not ludicrous crap. <laughs> you need to answer this question, sir.
2: The best the best we looked all season was, when, was the first game when he called the plays. <laughs> I'll just lay that Hold out there where God put it. <laughs>
0: I mean, we have argued I was, about I was, I
2: was thinking that question. So
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people were thinking that question. And I mean, I've I'm probably less critical of the offense as a whole than most fans, but I I really get on corn with uh, situational play calling and how slow he is to adapt when what he does is not working. And that that's a that is a reasonable assessment and Fuente should have been able to address that question better than he did than just shutting it down and moving on.
2: I, I think also, I think that question should have been answered. I found it was very valid because I agreed with it. I think the other thing is there needs to be better communication about why certain decisions are being made, especially when they occur multiple times. Yep. We lost a lot of quality talent and not to the draft. And it was yep. because we were underutilized and yep. I, I, I feel bad for all of our quarterbacks because we have some really talented young men and I feel like none of them got to properly show off. And if one of them had been my son, I wouldn't have had him stay. I would have had them leave for a better opportunity, too.
0: Yeah, because the the ones that got an opportunity, I think, were utilized poorly relative to their skill set. And then there were others that did not get the opportunity to really put their talents on display. Um, I feel like especially towards the end of the year, we were using Hendon Hooker like a battering ram and not like a quarterback.
2: (laughs) I feel so bad for how he was treated and how the whole season went for him. He deserves so much better. I think it also I think the lack of PR training also impacted how press conferences were handled because they they were prepared for the worst. And the fact that they knew they lost a game, so they knew like something bad was happening, but not prepared in the fact that they were ready to speak. And Mm -hmm. so because of that, what you have is the continued excuses like I what I loved about Beamer. And what I love about good leaders in general is that when it's a loss, they take it on themselves. And when it's a win, it was all the players. They had no part in the win. They had everything to do in the loss. And that is the opposite of what we've been seeing. Mm
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And in fact, even from the administration, it wasn't the coaches and it wasn't the players and it wasn't the losing season. It was the fans fault. Like somehow, like I personally would have like destroyed Narduzi myself. Like, Like (laughs) the fans, I'll freely go up and put me at like, take me off the bench for that game. I'll run straight for that man. Yep. So it's the, the, the defensiveness and the lack of accountability is problematic. I'm a firm believer that the best leaders they take the responsibility when things go bad and when things win they are the first to share the glory. And that Beamer did that really well. He even did that with other teams. Whenever they would lose, he was always so gracious about the other team and talked about how they were well-prepared. And, and so I think a lot of that comes down to the, just needing, needing training and needing someone to explain what it's got to be like in that press conference, because the power five stress is only going to, it's only going to keep coming. And the thing that bothers me too, and I've seen fans say this, and I've also seen the administration say this and, and, and other people, but you can't use COVID as an excuse because COVID wasn't a Blacksburg problem. It was a global problem. We're not the only people who had that issue. We also weren't the ones who had it the worst. And the game that we performed the best was the one where we were losing the most guys. So that's not it. Like, you have to explain to me why the first game out, we had the most players gone. We had the most coaches gone. And we perform like, we wrecked that game. It was glorious. So the, the excuses of COVID is not going to work because the entire world dealt with that. And yep. the entire, like, the NCAA turned its back on all the teams, not just Virginia Tech. Like, yep. The ACC had to figure out its own thing. Every division had to figure out its own thing. Everyone had to figure out what was happening. Every school had to figure out what they were going to do and what not, what they weren't going to do. And so, yes, changes. Yes, it was a massive challenge. But it's.
0: It's everybody's challenge.
2: (laughs) It's everybody's challenge. So that's not it. Like you have to accept that, like, something bad happened to all of us and some teams adapted better. Yeah.
1: Coming later this summer will be Brian and Christina's NCAA bash session.
0: I'm sure y'all. <laughs> I'm
2: So here for it. Oh my gosh, I'm so here for it.
0: Oh gosh, uh, there, is there a worse governing body in the world? May, maybe. It's FIFA. Maybe, FIFA? maybe FIFA. Yeah. FIFA than the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. This is and a whole...
2: FIFA and the Olympic and the Olympic committee are the only two worse than the NCAA. There you
1: go. No more content because now we automatically have a reason to bring you back in somewhere on that. So what's your third, what's your third thing that you say, this has to change now and it's going to help the program immediately.
2: You need to, you just got to okay. just, just make it fun again. You just got to make it fun again. You just got to make it feel the, the the beauty of Virginia tech is that it's big while feeling small. It is. It's huge while feeling intimate. You're I I am an INFJ by nature, so I'm introverted. You can't probably tell, but I'm introverted, but I I because of that, I don't like crowded areas. Like I'm I'm not a crowd person, except for two things. Well, three things. Um Lane Stadium,
0: mm-hmm.
2: inbound the conference, and Foo Fighter Concerts.
0: There you
2: go. <laughs> because you go in there and it's electric and you're surrounded by tens of thousands of friends. Yep. You're not strangers in Hokie nation. You could be on the other side of the world. And if you, if you're in the airport and you see someone else wearing a hokey a hokey anything, mm-hmm. you don't just walk past. We are all a part of this family, this community. It's a core part of what we, we are. It's, it make or breaks our weekend it it dictates when we have our weddings it like it's so central to our lives and so all of this with the losses and the stress and the rumors and the worries and the the the, the fear of instability and not knowing what's going to happen next it's drained a lot of fans and all of us the lovers and the haters we just want to have fun again we just want to we just want to sit in lane and lose our voice screaming we just want to dance to the hokey pokey also bring that back we <laughs> we we want to sing we want to yell stick it in really loud we, yes,
1: we bring that back <laughs>
2: bring that back we that's the thing is there's, there's all this, like, I made a comment to my husband a couple years ago, and it was like, after one of those games, where it was like, clear they spent like the annual budget on fireworks in one night. <laughs> and all I could think was, there's so many things I'd rather do with that money. There's yeah. so many other things, because that's not what makes it special. It's what makes a picture look good. It's great for an overhead shot, but it's not... That's not the people. And so the way to make it fun again is to make it about the people in the community. And that's the coaches and that's the fans and that's the players and that's everyone who gets to be inside lane. And so. When the world opens up and we're able to go to lane again. It's going to feel like a spiritual experience for some of us, and it should. It should feel like your heart is right where it's supposed to be back again. There's there's such there's so many people who don't who don't like football, who don't get college football, who don't understand how painful it was this past year. That you don't get to do that. Yeah. And just watching it on TV isn't the same. And it's because you lose that human connection. You lose those rituals. You're not in the thick of it. You're not actually there experiencing it. And so I hope that they find opportunities to to really make it fun again. What I would also love for them to do. I don't know if they can do this. There's a lot of players that we didn't get to see who are not going to be at Lane Stadium again. Please do a donation event where we could like watch them play a scrimmage before they leave and play in the NFL. Like, give us a taste of what we got, of what we missed. Like, a tiny taste. Pay us, like, force us to pay for it. I don't care. (laughs) But it's like, that's what they'll spend money on.
0: Yeah. I mean, we missed out on seeing probably one of the better athletes that's ever been in Virginia Tech play in 2020.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Find an opportunity. Do, if you can, I don't know if you can, because there's, I'm sure there's regulations within CLA, but. If there aren't, if, there, if there's a way to bring those players back, I just think it would be amazing to be able to watch like a, like a, a small scrimmage and be able to like tell them how much they mean to us. That's the thing, too, is they, they complain a lot about how recruits look at angry Twitter and don't want to go to Virginia Tech because the fans are so hateful. But they forget the narrative that most Hokie fans would drop whatever they were doing to help a player if they needed anything. Even after they're gone, even after they've even after they've they've graduated or they even after they've transferred to other teams, I mm-hmm. wish you nothing but the best. You're always a hokey. That's the thing is there's there's so much goodwill and we love these players and we want them to be happy and we want them to be successful. I mean, I will literally only have a five jersey because Tyrod is my man and I've never wanted to hurt a doctor more in my life than when he. Like oh, man. Me. I was about to like, be like, I just need bail money. Don't ask why. I just need bail money. <laughs> Tyrod
0: is the most unlucky person when he gets a starting job. Like It seems like every time he gets a starting job, something <laughs> bad happens I to wanna, intervene in his ability to just
2: do his thing. I need to do, do like, his like thing. a circle around Tyrod with like light candles and be like, we just need all the good vibes for you. But that's the thing. like We all have our favorite player. Yeah. Every thing. single one of them. We all have our favorite player. We all have our favorite play. We're all going to talk about Danny Cole until the day or until the day we die. Like, we're all like. You mean we
1: won 11 and 2 and won the Sugar Bowl? Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though? Like, we, it's so core and emotionally tethered to us. And so I hope that we can. There's just, I just think of so many opportunities. Yeah. I just I just think of so many opportunities like I would love to love to go to Lane, love to have tailgates, love to have like that's a thing, too. Like next time there's like a drive for drive for money for the campus or even just even just for um, the football program or athletics department in general, do a tailgate. And the tailgate you choose, you pay a ticket for that, and that's the tailgate you go to. So if you want to support the basketball team, like you go to the basketball tailgate, and then like that's all the basketball fans get to go there, and that's the, you get to meet new people, you get to hang out, or you want to support the softball team. Okay, cool. That will have its own area for a tailgate. That way you get to do some of the, you get to embrace some of the rituals that we already have, but you get to use them in a new way. The thing is, is that the way that The communication a lot of the communication we had last year was asking for money and nothing else.
1: Yep. Yeah. Something I've always said, Christina and Ron can confirm this. They always talk about well the former players and all this. The Hokie Village is this huge, you know, piece of real estate right next to the stadium. Mm -hmm. Why can't you say, Hey, former players, we can't guarantee you tickets every game that's, you know, but Come every week. We're going to make this special part of Hokie Village just for you. The lounge. What we're also going to do is any fan that wants to pay $100, it'll go to the Hokie Club, and they can come mingle with you. Do wow. you know how much money they would raise every week because, for example, Christina, Tyrod's in town. He's going to be at this Hokey tailgate. Christina's elbowing people.
2: Yes. To in line to give- <laughs> 100%. <laughs> But I'm like, rolling my credit card
1: at people, yeah. Kevin Jones, oh Kevin's gonna be there. Brian, yeah. dude, our wives are gonna kill us. <laughs> we see that money taken out, but dude, I want to meet KJ. <laughs> Things, but l- let me ask this, Christina, and kind of let's, let, let's let's start closing it out here because yeah. I feel like like with we were with the white, we probably could talk another hour with you, and if the baby wakes up, I'm dead. So. We <laughs> don't want that. Let me ask this, Winning. how does that impact this perception of how we're looking at marketing? You know, we've broke down a lot of – you went through a lot of the shortcomings where we're screwing up. But Mm -hmm. right now, this team that is currently going through spring ball, Mm -hmm. Brian put here nine wins. Let's say Mm -hmm. they win 11 games this year. Mm -hmm. Does that sort of cover up the the shortcomings? hundred percent.
2: Yeah. It's a honeymoon period. When you're in the honeymoon period with someone, think of it like a relationship. When you're in the honeymoon period, you see some of the other things, but you're just so like in love and just like, Oh, it's just so wonderful. When you are mad at somebody, you, you get hyper focused on everything else you don't like about them. All, all the flaws are like more obvious than they ever were before. Mm-hmm. So if, if they win, you forget all of this. You ride the high. What what PR what
0: press? Cup? <laughs> the goes. flaws become features when you're, you're winning 10 and 11.
2: Yeah games. yeah the flaws the flaws are inter- like oh he's eccentric <laughs> like he wins. Fuente, Fuente gets a like Fuente is unbeatable and he cusses out the press. He'd be like that's hilarious like. <laughs>
1: He's sticking it to those fake news. Exactly. Guys.
2: <laughs> exactly. It completely it completely changes your your relationship. So if 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 winning changes, it a hundred percent I mean, there's still gonna be like the naysayers, but they're gonna be really soft compared to how loud the fans are. It well, all like the biggest the biggest way to undo it, like short, short term, you gotta win the game. Long yeah. term, you gotta fix those other issues. But yeah, it's like a honeymoon period. If you win the game, you forget.
1: Well, well, also the naysayers be like, well, hey, he went he was terrible the last two seasons. Everybody's going to basically give them the finger and be like, go elsewhere. We just won 11 games. We won 10 games. (laughs) We beat Notre Dame. We don't. I
2: I do have to say, though, I wish there wasn't so much infighting. I I find that I find that hokey Twitter fights amongst itself more than it fights against the team, like against those. And as someone who didn't go to tech hmm. And also has negative things to say. There's definitely been times when my fanhood has been questioned. And like, I'm yeah. not a real. Yep. If you, and that's and, and my thing, too, is that I find that that's that's been really polarizing because that I find that that doesn't just hurt the team, but that hurts people who are potential fans because there's always that barrier of entry of like, what actually does it take to be a Hokie fan? Does it mean that you go to lane? Does it mean that you went to Virginia tech? Does it mean that you've been a season ticket holder forever? Does it mean that, does it mean that you, you know, like you're a Metallica fan? Like what, what is the true definition? And so to fill that stadium, you need more than just grads and yeah. you need more than just Metallica fans. And you need more than just season ticket holders. Like, Everyone's money is green.
1: Yes, it what, is. No
2: matter where they went to school, or no matter no matter how little or how much they give. So I think I think my big thing is I wish that there was I I wish that all Hokie fans would remember that our North Star is the program and that we want it to be successful and that we're going to disagree on things and some of us are going to protect some coaches with like every fiber of our being and the others would leave him off the bus in Florida somewhere. But we need to remember what our North Star is Mm -hmm. and not question someone's fanhood because we differ from them and we disagree.
0: So, less gatekeeping and less fan carding just over the little things and focus on what's best for the program. What do we love about the program? How can we make this program more fun and better?
2: Yeah.
1: Whether you hate Justin Fuente or not, it is better for this program to win and he remained the coach than us being the dumpster and he get fired because that's a lot of digging out. You have to do.
2: Yes. I'm just going to say people are watching. So if we, if we do, if he does, let's say there's another bad season and he's let go. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people watching that meter of how much the buyout's going to be. And so there's going to be conversations about money, but there's also going to be conversations about how, how, how long are you willing to be given a chance in order to be successful? Mm -hmm. So you need to, you need to weigh all the odds. And I'm not saying you should be fired. I'm not saying you should stay. There's definitely pros and cons of each, but I think that I, I hope that the administration knows that we're all coming from a place of love for this program and that this program means so much to us that even in our deepest criticism, we just want it to be successful.
1: 100%. Christina, we really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight here at the Boundary Corner Podcast. And it's going to wrap up this episode. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Sieglaff. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe for the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Do visit our Twitter page. We do have a website now where you will be able to check this wonderful interview with Christina out. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out, catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. He is in the Roanoke area, and hopefully as things open up, if he plays, we'll let you guys know where he is. We thank you for listening. And as always, Christina, join with us. Let's go. Hokey. Hokey.